Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com, and I am your host. Each week, we learn the story behind that vanity plate. You know the one you saw driving down the road? What did it say? What did it mean? Why did they choose it? Welcome. I'm so excited to have Ray Amanat from St. Louis, Missouri, here to talk about his vanity license plate, which is HIA-NOW. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. So tell me, what made you decide to choose that as your plate? Tell me the story behind it. Well, I have a foundation that's called Heroes in Action, and our website is Heroes in Action Now because you want a hero right now. You don't want a hero later. The whole premise behind that is we train people to be their own hero so they don't have to wait on anyone. So you're going to be your own hero in action right now at the moment that you need it most. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to violence prevention education. So whether you're a child, a female, a parent that has a concern about themselves, you know, what, what if something happens to me, who's going to care for my family? So how can I prevent bad things from happening to me so I can always be around? Uh, then you have parents that have kids that always ask their, this question, have I as a parent done everything I possibly can to prepare my child for when they go away to college? We want them to be their own heroes so they have the knowledge, the verbal side and the physical side of knowing how to get themselves out of bad situations. So Heroes in Action is to give people peace of mind so that they know they can handle situations that go bad. Wow, that's important work. When did you establish your organization? How long ago? Heroes in Action has been around for about 14 years. Prior to that, I had a brick and mortar martial arts school. I taught uh, a karate school. For over 25 years, I owned the business. I've been doing it for over 40 years. And when that business, by unfortunate reasons, got shut down because of my landlord, I was at a crossroads and decided instead of another for-profit business where I work 60 to 80 hours a week, I'd rather do a nonprofit. You know, when you have a brick and mortar business, it's like a karate school. It's always driving traffic to the school, trying to bring people to come to me. With the nonprofit, I go to the people. So I can go to the schools, I can go to the communities, I can go to anywhere in the country or the world and do seminars on violence prevention. So I don't have a walls or barriers around me. I, I actually reach more people now than I did when I had a martial arts school. Well, not now due to COVID, but before COVID, I actually reached and taught more people through lectures and seminars than I did when I had a brick and mortar business. Wow, that's great. Now you said that you work with a lot of different groups and ages, both women, men, boys, girls. What is your most popular program that you do for kids? Well, I do school assemblies on anti-bullying. So whether it's a private school, public school, uh, school for children with special needs, I adapt the message to fit the school's needs. And, and then, of course, we do programs for Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 
or if you have a church youth program that you know is looking at what what can we do to build self-esteem build confidence and a message that coincides with the message of their church i adapt what i teach to fit the organization's needs that's awesome so how do you teach me to be my own hero okay so when i go into schools most schools are zero tolerance policies, so I cannot teach punching, kicking, self-defense, or anything physical. There's, you know, there's a verbal side to things, and then there's the, if I've done everything I possibly can, how can I f- physically protect myself? And with that, that would be an after-school program, or that would be a seminar-type program that I would do for that community with regards to teaching you how to be a hero, the the biggest thing is not being labeled the tattletale, not being labeled a snitch, a crybaby, anything like that. It's learning how to use what I call a script of safety to draw the right kind of attention. Like if I were to push you and you were to run to the teacher and say, teacher, race pushing me, everyone's going to call you a snitch. Everyone's going to be like, you're a brown noser or a teacher's pet. And you're going to deal with that for the whole school year. But, you know, and I say, you know, always question without fear and make a bold statement. So the questions are what and why, and then the bold statement or I and stop. What are you doing this for? What did I ever do to you? Why are you pushing me? I don't like you pushing me. Stop pushing me. So when I say it and I stand my ground at a safe distance and I say it loud enough to attract attention, I'm not being a snitch, but I've got everyone else that sees I'm standing up for myself. You know, they're like, ooh, fight, fight, fight. You know, they're anticipating that. But I say it loud enough to get other people's attention. You know, then it's up to the teachers to come in and stop it from happening. So what I'm trying to do when I go into schools is enable kids to save face in front of their peers so that they're not put in a category of tattletale or snus. The only person that uses that language is the bully. You should not be afraid to talk to your teachers, to talk to your school counselors, to talk to your principal or talk to your parents. When they say, you're going to be a little mama's boy, you're going to go home to your mommy and cry. I do this because I was bullied myself throughout my whole childhood. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say anything to my mom because I knew she would go to the school and raise a whole bunch of stink. And then the bullies would say, see, I told you he was a mama's boy. And they would be right. I didn't want to say anything to the teachers because then the bullies would be right. When a child is afraid to talk to their own parents or teachers because the bullies are saying you're a mama's boy teacher's pet or or anything like that, they try to take matters into their own hands. That's when the child will hurt themselves, commit suicide, or become the next active shooter in the school or they're gonna go shoot the bully because they don't know what else to do or who else to go to. If I can save a life by preventing a child from hurting themselves, committing suicide, or from becoming the next active shooter and saving a lot of lives, I've done my job. So 
my goal is to reach out to kids and one, let them know it's okay to talk to parents and teachers that, you know, the only person that's giving them the bad label is the bully. Two, how do you help the bullies? How do you change their behavior? By me drawing attention to the situation, hopefully the school has, it's what I call the three Ps, programs, policies, procedures, and programs. So every awesome. school, you know, you have to ask the school, what are the school policies? What procedures do they take to handle, to deal with the bully and to deal with the victim of bullying? And what programs do they implement? If they don't have a program, why not? You know, if they don't have policies, if they, and the, the, the next thing is you could have a million policies, but if you don't enforce any of them, you're always gonna have issues and problems. I, I have a lot of parents that come up to me and say, Mr. Ramanat, you know, what do you do when the teachers are the problem? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? It's like the teachers don't do anything. You know, they don't know what to do. You have to understand the teachers kind of have their hands tied. If there's a fight that breaks out in a school and the teacher puts their hand on a child, you're going to have a parent say, how dare you touch my child? And they can lose their job for that. If there's a fight that breaks out and the teachers don't do anything physically to separate them, you're going to have a parent that's going to say, where was the teacher? How come you didn't stop my child from getting hurt? So teachers are kind of stuck, which is why schools need to implement policies, procedures, and programs so that the teachers know that if they do something based on those guidelines, that they're not going to lose their job and they'll be more proactive in stopping things from happening to kids. That's really interesting. I love that you don't just work with the future victims, but also the bullies. Yes. One of the things you teach is how to know when you're putting yourself in danger, especially kids. And that was fascinating to me because I was thinking that, yeah, kids probably don't even realize how easy it is to get in danger. Can you talk a little bit about some of those uh, Well, examples? now you're talking about dealing with the child predator, somebody that's grooming a child or luring a child into a specific lifestyle. This is where human trafficking, sex trafficking comes in. So, you know, when I talk to kids, I try to get them to understand what a safe or unsafe person looks like. What is safe or unsafe language? A lot of parents and a lot of teachers will say, don't talk to strangers. And for me, what that does to a child is it instills fear in them. Now they're afraid to talk to strangers. So they're afraid to approach a police officer. They're afraid, especially with what's going on now with law enforcement, that they're making law enforcement to look like bad people. So who's your child gonna go talk to? So teaching your child the difference between a safe or unsafe adult safer, unsafe language so that they have an understanding. It's not don't talk to strangers, it's learn how to talk to strangers. When you learn how to talk to strangers, then you're gonna pick up on those verbal cues that should raise a red flag that this is not a safe person for me to be talking to. For example, if I were to say, what kind of candy do you like? <laughs> Is it a safe question for me to say, what's your favorite candy bar? To anyone, yes, that's safe. 
But if I were to say, do you want some candy? That's where it becomes a little bit different. If I were to say, do you like puppies? Everyone likes puppies. But if I were to say, do you want to see my puppy? So with kids that are pretty much elementary school age or younger or even middle school, because I can con most kids to do whatever I want. It's getting the kids to always ask for permission. I have to ask my mom. I have to ask my dad. I have to ask my teacher, my babysitter, my guardian, whoever is looking out for me at that moment. I have to get permission from them. Do you want some candy? Let me make sure it's okay that you're a safe person to get candy from. If I were to say, do you like Six Flags or Disneyland? Of course. Do you want to go to Six Flags or Disneyland? Well, let me ask my mom. Now you're bringing it to the attention of a, an adult to where they're going to be like, who's talking to my child? Why are they asking me this question or asking them this question? And they can intervene. I know you want, most parents want their kids to be independent and to be able to make decisions. But sometimes when you have predators that are preying on your children and know how to befriend them. When I say, this is uh, an example of grooming, what's your favorite candy bar? What's your favorite candy bar? Kit Kat. Okay. okay, Kit Kat. And then the next time we meet, guess what? I have a Kit Kat for you. And you're like, oh, thanks. This is a nice guy. I'm making friends with you and I keep giving you little gifts and keep finding out more and more details about you until, uh, you know, uh, the next thing is, hey, what would you, if, what bad word would you have to say to get in trouble by your parents? Give me an example. Poop. Oh my gosh, you just said poop. Should I tell your mom you said poop? Most kids are going to say, no, please don't tell my mom. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get grounded. So then the predator is going to say, all right, well, I'll keep that a secret if you can keep a secret. And when an adult predator starts getting your child to keep secrets from you, that's when they're grooming them. That's when they're going to try to control them. They're fishing. They just sunk that hook in. Now they can control and manipulate your child until your child eventually is going to just walk away with them out of fear because they don't want to get in trouble. It's important for parents to talk to their kids. No matter how much trouble you think you're going to get into at home, I'm going to ground you. I'm going to take away your cell phone, your computer, your TV time. Your friends are never going to come over and spend a night with you or whatever else. That's not worse than what this stranger is going to do to you. Just know that I will always be here. I will always love you. And you need to always be honest with me. If anyone comes up and says, hey, can you keep a secret? There's no secrets with mom and dad. You know, you're, you're honest with us. And let us know if anyone's asking you to keep a secret. So um, you need to teach the kids and the parents in order to yes. keep them safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And you're an author as well. You wrote some books for kids. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? So the first book I wrote was entitled Bully, Victim, or Hero. All my books are available on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Bully, Victim, or Hero is pretty much my story 
of how I went from becoming the victim where I, I was severely bullied um, at school and at home by my parents, my mom, to I became the bully. Once I got into martial arts, my instructors were not Miyagi. My instructors were the Cobra Kai instructors. So they taught me how to be a really good fighter. And I, I was empowered. And I got to a point where instead of me, please don't hurt me, I would be, you want to fight? Me and you right now. Yeah. So I would get in trouble for looking for fights. Once I got into in a school ownership role where I was the mentor to my martial arts students, I had to reevaluate because I was teaching the same way I was taught. So I was raising my students to be bullies. When I had parents come to me and say, my child got suspended from school. And I'm like, for what? And they're like, for what you taught them. I had to rethink what type of a mentor I was going to be to my students. Because I've been on the end of both sides. I've been the victim and I've been the bully. And I didn't really like either one. I didn't like getting in trouble being the bully. And I didn't like not knowing how to stand up for myself being the victim. So it's, it comes down to training. It comes down to being educated. It comes down to me learning more. So I sought out other educators, other instructors. I work with law enforcement. I've worked with social workers in schools and out of schools and got as much information. And I started creating a curriculum or a, a, a way of teaching that I had more positive results for my martial arts students and from the students that I work with in schools that I, I and the feedback I was getting from everyone is, Ray, this is an awesome message. Everyone needs to hear this. So I knew I was on the right track or right path. So I kept developing, kept developing, kept developing until I created what I'm teaching now. You know, yeah, I, haven't awesome. I haven't changed a thing from what I'm teaching with Heroes in Action for years because I think I've got it to where I can adapt it to any person of any age, size, or ability. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Now you are more than Heroes in Action now. What else do you do that you enjoy? My other passion besides martial arts or, or what I'm doing now with Heroes in Action has always been music. So I played the drums when I was a kid and I'm trying to teach myself the piano and guitar right now. And the other thing that I've been doing, I've been slacking on, but I got to get back to it, is learning magic because I want to add, and the whole thing is, I want to add music and magic to my presentations when I go to schools. Because I think that with music, I don't know anyone that doesn't relate to a song or relate to a lyric that sends the message home a little deeper that they can remember. And magic, it's just that attention getter that keeps their focus on the message. And I relate the magic to the message to kind of close the show. So I've been working on a few illusions to be able to add to what I do when I go to schools and perform for kids or, or do presentations for kids. That's awesome. I love that. And I love that you are gonna incorporate music. So now you live in St. Louis. 
I was. Is that where you've always lived? I was born in New York. My parent, my dad was going to medical school in New York. There were. What part uh, of New York? New York uh, City? Poughkeepsie, New York. Are you kidding me? Uh-uh. I lived in Poughkeepsie for 24 years. I just moved out of there for like two years ago. I don't remember much of Poughkeepsie, so you're going to have to. I can't believe that we lived in the same place. <laughs> I was born there. I don't think I lived there that long. Maybe It uh, counts. It counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Poughkeepsie, but my parents were immigrants from Iran. Uh, he, my dad came to the United States for medical school, went back to Iran and, you know, and then came back to the United States to get a separation and ultimately a divorce. And I said, dad, of all places, why St. Louis? And as well, I originally went back to New York, but I couldn't find work there. And my professor at the university found a job, open, a job opening in St. Louis. So he packed up everything and came to St. Louis. And now I'm the only one that lives in St. Louis. Everyone else moved. So I've got three brothers that One's in New Jersey, one's in San Francisco, and one's in Tucson, Arizona. Wow, uh, you guys are all over. Yeah, but I'm the only one that stayed in St. Louis. But uh, oh. so from age four until current, I've been a native to St. Louis. Well, I've been so um, interested in this conversation about what you do. Uh, when you and I talked a little bit, I was just shocked by how many ways there are to lure a child away from their adults and how easy it really is. And I'm so glad you're doing this work. And I thank you. I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews. And on behalf of all the children I know, and even those that I don't, thank you for keeping them safe. It's my pleasure. So, so important. Well, I thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. Are there any final words that you would like my listeners to hear about this topic? You know... We all have roles in life. At the end of every lecture or seminar, I say we all have choices in life. You could choose to be a victim or a bystander, a sheep, do nothing and either watch people bully other people or become that victim and get bullied or attacked yourself. You know, there's the phrase, Evil will always prevail when good people do nothing. You can become the bully and eventually you will get caught. You know, bullies don't go away, they grow up. They become the spouse abuser, the rapist, the home invader. They become the abusive coworker or the abusive boss. Bullies don't go away, they grow up. If you bring it to the attention of the school at an early stage where you can correct a bully's behavior, we'll have fewer problems with those people as adults. Or you can choose to be the hero. The hero is someone that not only stands up for themselves, but is also somebody that stands up for the person that can't stand up for themselves. So know your role. If you choose to be that hero, then get trained. Learn to know what to look for, what to say, and how to physically react to help yourself and other people. It all comes down to anything that we do in life. It's a learning curve. It comes down to training. 
Perfect. I love it. Now I always like to turn the tables and see if you have a question you'd like to ask me. Do you have a question for me before we wrap up? So Trista, if there's anything that if you had a bucket list and there's something that you've always wanted to do on that bucket list, what is it that you haven't done in your life yet? My husband lived and I lived in Poughkeepsie for 23, 24 years. I was a real estate appraiser. So I have been in every type of house. None of them impressed me. There are certain styles that I like more than others, but you know, they're very mundane to me because I've, I mean, I actually did a floor plan of a house that was in the shape of a W. Like I've seen it all. I'm not big deal. Who cares? Another mansion, ah, another mansion, right? Sure. So if I want to live in a dream house, I'd love to live in something that is non-traditional residence, a barn converted to a house, a church converted to a house. I got you. So that's definitely part of my bucket list. I would love to live in a place and I've been looking and they're really hard to find because I don't want to find one that's a project waiting to happen. I don't want to live in something that's going to eventually be what I want it to be after I build it for five years. And a lot of the things like this that are available are in a state of disrepair or they're ready to be converted. So I'm looking for something that's perfectly converted, that matches all of my checkpoints and that's ready to move into. See, now, when I had my martial arts school, my dream was if there was a firehouse that was no longer in, in service where I could live in the upstairs. And then when I'm ready to come down for business, I just slide down the pole and nice. open the door. <laughs> and then I teach all my classes and then I go back upstairs to my apartment, you know, but I don't think there's anywhere that in St. Louis that's zoned commercial residential that would let me do that. But that's, I've always wanted a property where I can live in the upstairs and then just go downstairs and do my thing. Because, you know, when you have a brick and mortar, it's like two mortgages. I've got my house payment and then my rent at whatever building. But if that's I right. That's building, right. That's right. I can live in the top and work out of the bottom. That's, that's a dream for me. I might still be able to do that for Heroes in Action in some way create an event space. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on. It's so great to get to know your business a little bit and share it with others. I think every school that exists in the world should have you in to train what you do. We just scratched the surface of it in this conversation. And I love the idea of the book that you can really choose who you wanna be. You don't always have to be what you're conditioned for. So thanks so much for being on, and I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. Please subscribe to Trista's Plate Story Podcast to get the story behind all those vanity plates driving with you on the road. And if you would like to nominate the owner of a license plate, including you, or visit any of our partners and sponsors, come and see us at platestory.com. That's pl8story.com and give us the details. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a review and give us a share. I'm Trista Polo wishing you well on the road to your next adventure.